Hello, everyone. Welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. When HR professionals and hiring managers need to fill a slot, what do they do? Posting to job boards and searching through LinkedIn may not be going far enough, according to this episode's guest. We are pleased to have Michael Batman Cohen. He is the founder of Wayne Technologies, a contract sourcing and recruitment training organization. His approach to sourcing is one based on deliverables, transparent data, and using multiple sources, platforms to find the greatest diversity and quality of candidates. Michael is also going to be speaking at our annual RecruitCon 2020, uh, which has been moved to Kissimmee, Florida on November 10th at Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. The session is called Recruiting Hacks, and Michael's talk during that session is called Innovative Ways to Use Tech Tools to Reduce Time to Fill. I should add that RecruitCon will be co-located with two of our other events, HR Comply and Workforce L&D. The Pass to HR World, uh, which combines all three events, is also available. Michael, or should I say Batman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about our chat. Absolutely. Uh, We're happy to have you. Um, We're going to get into all that resource. We're going to get all that um, recruiting and sourcing LinkedIn talk, but uh, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Mm. Wayne Technologies, Batman. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody, when they start like the elephant in the room, I'm like, yeah, I should just start talking because I know where this is going. <laughs> um, it's the same elephant. It's a good one, though. So, yeah. uh, uh, it, you're lucky. Like, we had a really good conversation. I didn't answer how I normally answer that when people are like, well, what's up with the Batman thing? I'm like, oh, he's a superhero. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I got that. Thanks. Um, so it, I'll try to keep this short. It, it's it's a funny story. So uh, it was about four years ago. I was in New York City working for this super cool like boutique recruiting agency, tech recruiting. And I had picked up just some really awesome clients based on just just some cool networking in the space like Spotify. And we had Bloomberg and Morgan City, just some cool ones. So I was like, all right. I got to come up with some personal branding for me because like, yay for the company. But like, yeah, I want people to like know me and work with me. So I'm like, all right, Mike Cohen, uh, Cohen, super popular last name, Mike, the most popular first name, killing it, (laughs) mom and dad. That's great. Uh, My initials are MC. I'm like, oh, maybe something like that. Right around this time, our current president started running for office. Uh, mm-hmm. which may not seem relevant to this this conversation. But if you recall, he had a lawyer who is now in jail, actually, who is huh, objectively <laughs> kind of a terrible human publicly. And uh, he had done a segment um, with a reporter where he was just a catastrophic jerk. He like she would ask something and he'd say, says who? Says who? <laughs> like over and, and like. I looked at that. Uh, of course, this person's name was Michael Cohen. Uh, and I saw that interview and went, well, I'm never appearing on the front page of Google again. Uh, so I started thinking about branding and uh, I didn't read comics as a kid. I read my first one when I was 19 and it was a Batman comic. 
and you know he's the world's greatest detective it's where uh dc comics gets its namesake detective comics comes from batman i did um, not know that and yeah yeah it's a little little gem for anybody listening um and so i thought you know what I'm going to do it and see what happens, right? I have to assume <laughs> these, like, software engineers and tech folks are going to love getting an email from Batman. But, like, hmm, we'll find out. Winds up they did. And it went really well. And so and I've just kind of, like, owned the persona. And until I get a and d from uh, DC Comics, I'm going to keep going. That was my next question was, have you received a cease and desist letter? <laughs> I'm waiting. My lawyer was very good when I started this company and did exactly what any lawyer should and said, I really suggest you don't do that. Like, that's you're asking for trouble, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you do that, you have to start two companies right now uh, and create it as some sort of like, you know, shell. So that way, you know, when it does happen and she's like, but that it's expensive and I would really not encourage you to do that. And I said, ah. All right, well, yeah, I'm going to do that, though. And so that's, <laughs> that's exactly how that went down. Well, it sounds like maybe he was, uh, or she was a better lawyer than the other Michael Cohen. Yeah. Um, incidentally, our neighbor downstairs, um, and since we're all working from home because of the coronavirus, uh, his name is also Michael Cohen. Oh, gosh, that poor fellow. Um, we haven't addressed it, though, yeah. uh, in our conversations. <laughs> if you talk um, to him next, just look at him and just, just keep saying, says who? Whenever he's done talking, <laughs> he'll get it. We all get it. <laughs> all right. Um, I hope that our listeners have found that entertaining. Um, why don't we move into what they're here for, uh, which is sourcing um, based on some very brief conversations we had before this podcast. Uh, my understanding is that job boards and LinkedIn are no longer cutting it. So, yes. I mean, short answer is yes. Um it's not that they're not cutting it. It's just that that's like going for the low hanging fruit. And hmm. that's what everybody else is doing. So unless you're a company who has a specific advantage, a marketable, like in print marketable advantage over all of your competitors, you're getting the B candidates or the C candidates. And if your response is, we have a really great culture, like we really support our goal, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you and everybody else cut that stuff out. Like, yeah, yeah, that's great. You have a ping pong table and a kegerator. You're awesome. <laughs> but what what other companies are doing that? I don't know. Amazon, Google, Netflix, Uber, Lyft, um, uh, Facebook, uh, that other huge social media platform whose name I won't say because I can't stand them. Um, LinkedIn. So uh <laughs> You have to think what's what's going to get me what I want, right? Are you looking for fifty service tech uh, folks to work out in the field? Sure, post a job. That's going to be a great goal for you. Great way to get it. Are you looking for a software engineer? Two software engineers? You looking for an accountant? You looking for a nurse? Looking for a doctor? Right? You looking for uh, somebody in marketing? You looking for all of these type of roles? Um, everybody's posting right now and the best people which is such an adage but it's true aren't looking we're not in a down at well prior to two weeks ago we're not in a down economy <laughs> right people don't need jobs they don't need you right if they're perusing through the jobs that are open they're just doing that they're perusing right so if your company doesn't have something super attractive about it your job title isn't in line with where they'd ideally want to go next. They're not reading your stuff. It's like, who cares? Just wasting time at that point. The other side of that is 
there's an opportunity cost with the time that you do spend on that, right? And I talk to people about this all the time, which is, hey, you post a job, how many people respond? Let's use round numbers. We get 100 over the course of a week. Oh, fantastic. So of that 100, how many do you look at and actually set up uh, calls with, right? And the really great ones are like, I don't know, like five, maybe even Mm -hmm. 10, which would be nuts, but like 10. Okay, great. And of those 10, how many then are going forward for an interview? Oh, like two. Great. So you spent the couple hours it takes to go through all the 100 resumes. You spent the couple hours it takes to go through and phone screen those candidates. Then you sent those two people over to get an interview with the hiring manager. My Mm -hmm. argument back is, hey, couldn't you have just found those people if you searched for them? They're online, right? (laughs) <laughs> like they found you online, they exist online. So, so if they were the right person and you were good at searching for people, wouldn't you have found them anyway? It's a good point. Um, much to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think about the people, you know, we, we talked, we didn't talk about LinkedIn and, but we're, we're going to, um, you know, they, they say that they're the number one hiring platform on earth. Um, I've attended some of their sessions. I've interviewed some of their people. They're very excited about what they do. Um, I don't know anybody who's gotten a job through LinkedIn, but I definitely, myself included, have gotten a lot of offers that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's, and it just makes me think of like, you know, I have a job, so I'm not on the market. So the only way that people are, would ever be able to hire me is if they came and found me, you know, and the only place apparently that people know to look for me and my colleagues is on LinkedIn. Um, what's, what's, is there anything, what's wrong with that? Uh, I mean, oh God, where do you want me to start? Um, so I will, I'll caveat this to anyone listening by saying I despise LinkedIn. Um, not as much as a platform as I do as an organization. So if they're a sponsor, you may want to cut that part out. Uh, Oh, great. Well then perfect. (laughs) We can keep going. I should ask, I should have asked ahead of time. Um, So my, my main issue, I first, I use LinkedIn. I post on LinkedIn. I even pay for a LinkedIn recruiter seat because I do training. And so I need to have access to the tool if I'm going to train people on how to use it. So before anybody gets on their their high horse about that, uh, I do use it. I'm on there. I don't care for the way the company operates because it creates a uh, dependency on the tool. And any tool in anything, forget even just recruiting, anything that creates a dependency upon itself is damaging the user. Mm. Right? Um, and so... For me, when I look at LinkedIn, I go, great, it's a fantastic database, but that is all that it should be used for. I can tell you, outside of like a random like personal thing that I wanted to reach out to, I haven't sent an email professionally in over 13 months. It's just not, it's, it's not effective. It's also <laughs> not repeatable and doesn't live outside of LinkedIn. So when you send in-mails, you have to realize uh, that data is stuck in that platform. So as long as the only platform you use as a company to find people is LinkedIn, that's dead data now, mm. right? 
somebody else finds them on Facebook or GitHub or Meetup or literally anywhere else on the internet, there's no crossover data to let you know that, oh, that person's already been messaged by us. Yeah, that's a really good point. Right? So now, now you have to worry about deduplication and everybody's response is, well, we would notate that in the ATS and I'm going to call BS right now to all of your faces. <laughs> no, you don't. I know that because I've, I've worked with a lot of these companies. Uh, you don't. No one does that. No one sends an in-mail and then downloads that person's PDF, loads it into your ATS, fills out all the fields, and then marks that you sent them an in-mail on that day. You just don't. So, right. so you're causing things like uh, duplication of efforts, redundancies, right? Uh, a bad candidate experience. Uh, it's the easiest way for me to immediately know that a company's got their head up there. You know what? If I get an email <laughs> from one person and then two days later, I get an email from another person, both oh, yeah. not knowing the other person emailed me, you know? Um, so it's, I, that that's part of my beef with LinkedIn. The other is just the fact that like rec the bar to, to enter into the recruiting space is low. Right. That is very true. It's uh, and this is going to annoy a lot of people because I know who listens to this podcast, but like, it's the same as HR. The bar to get into HR and recruiting are both low. And I will start by saying neither is a starting point for the other person. Uh, hmm. We hear that all the time on the recruiting side. And I hear that it, people on the HR side hear the same thing. If you want to be a recruiter, you do not come in the door as uh, as an HR you know, administrative assistant or whatever. If you want to be in HR, you don't come in the door as a talent acquisition person. They are different jobs. They are different roles. One is not lesser than the other. In either direction, they're both just different types of people. And so all of that to say, the bar of entry to come in as a recruiter is low. You don't, you don't technically need a college degree to do it. I know I didn't have one when I started. Um, the earning potential is incredibly high if you're good at your job. There's a fair amount of freedom in the space, right? I'm wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt right now. And this isn't like <laughs> coronavirus, you're working from home wear. This is like what I wear every day because I work from home. Um, and so with a bar of entry that's that low and enticing for people, tools that enable people to take their brain out of the job and function as you know glorified automatons are ruining our industry things like linkedin isn't a tool that helps recruiters anymore it is a recruiting tool hmm. those are different right it's it's that old adage uh and i i tell the story differently when people say what's the the best tool right you hate linkedin what's the best tool like that's that's a terrible question <laughs> i want you next time someone's like building a house i want you to go up to the general contractor and say hey what's the best tool for building a house and if they tell you the name of a tool you should fire them right so if they tell you the name of a tool it means that they think there's one tool that's better and not that there's a right tool for a job. LinkedIn has been positioning itself slowly as the tool for the job. Like you can't do this job without this tool. And that's false. It's not true. And that's hurting our industry. 
Well, what I'm what I'm gathering from all this um, is that you know, okay, so there's not a tool, uh, but is there an approach, or is it even more multifaceted than that? Can you explain? Um, well, you know, so you would have to have if you're not using if you're not out there saying to your clients and and our listeners, hey, go use this one tool; it's going to solve all your problems. Then perhaps there's an approach. Yep. Instead. Got it. Right. Yep. Understood. Um, yes, there is. And, and there's not just one approach either. The approach, so when I help organizations think through this, I remove all tooling from the playing field, right? So we outline their workflow, find out where they get data, where it goes, what happens to it, what gets reported on, et cetera. And then I wipe the playing field clean. And I say, great. So forget tools, forget what's possible. Forget what you think is possible. In your ideal world where teleportation and, and telepathy don't exist, what, <laughs> what would this look like? What data would you collect? Where would that data go? How would this happen? How would this happen, right? And I want people to think about the workflow they're dealing with, not the capabilities of the tool. Mm. And so for me, right, as a recruiter, the things that I find most important. I need to have the ability to source on multiple platforms while reducing redundancy and eliminating duplication. So how do I do that? Well, I had to find a way to use one tool as my master tool, if you will, um, to kind of be the, the keeper of all the data. Um, from there, I need a messaging tool. Message email automation is key, right? Uh, if you don't know, you can feel free to look me up on almost anything I talk about. I talk about email automation uh, because more messages get responded to on the third, fourth, and fifth attempts than on the first and second. Mm. Um, and so, how do you do that? Well, use an email automation tool. And if everybody's using that tool, it takes care of deduplication. If it's a good tool, it'll sync with your ATS and load all of the data and track all of the data, which is something most people find to be important, right? So you've got sourcing, you've got messaging, and then the next big piece is the qualification call piece, which often gets overlooked, and I, I don't understand why. <laughs> it's, it's like the one non-repeatable thing. Right. If you said go find a sales engineer in in you know Chicago, they're like okay, cool. I'll go through the process. I you know open up these different platforms, run my boolean strings, whittle them down, send out messaging, and wait for responses. And in six months, if you told me to do to find a sales engineer, I would do the same thing. Right. I'd look through the people I found, and then I'd go back and run a different search. And but we're talking about an actual conversation we had with someone, irreplaceable data. It doesn't sit anywhere. It's not available on the market. Um, and it's something that only you uh, as an organization have access to. But we're, we're like taking handwritten notes or, you know, putting shoddy crap into an ATS. Um, and so I tell everybody like, hey, almost non-negotiable tool. Like you got to check out Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T. Um, these guys, man, they're doing some cool stuff, but it, it's like voice recording and you can have it. So it answers questions for you. Like you, 
you record specific questions and answers. And so when you're submitting to your hiring managers, you're not sending your you know BS recruiter notes, right? Not that your notes are BS, but that hiring manager thinks your notes are BS. So like, <laughs> stop sending them. So it'll actually send like a recording and they can listen to each of the questions and the, and the candidate's answers. So even if you don't use that tool, that's key data. That data needs to be stored and searchable, right? Just like everything else. Then mm. all of your data moving forward has to sit in an ATS. It just has to for workflow, uh, for uh, searching in the future, um, and for reporting. So I think those are probably the biggest things to think about the four the four pieces. Yeah, um, it's a very you know it's a it seems very logical. It's a very unique approach based on what I've I've heard, uh, with the exception of the critical and key importance of having conversations with candidates. You know. Um, one of the things we can we confront a lot uh, at the HR Daily Advisor, uh, and sometimes on the show, is the fact that most hiring begins with a barrage of resumes. Um, that's and some people are better at writing resumes than others, and some people don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, um, there's no real set of rules out there, not a distinct one, and yet this is the way that people um, Star Wars reference in there um <laughs> i taught my daughter to say that now it's well played thanks uh <laughs> that's how people start and you don't when you're looking at a resume you don't really know anything about that person um you might draw a bunch of conclusions but that's actually dangerous it's one of the things we we caution people against in the hr perspective is that you know you don't really want to be drawing conclusions because you might be making decisions based on some of those protected conclusions that you came to, you know, um, and, and if you're a big, you know, if you're a small company, you might get overwhelmed with a couple hundred resumes. If you're a big company, I mean, forget about it. You're talking thousands all the time. There's no way for you to sit down with all those people and talk to them. And, you know, this is something we've thought about a lot. How do you get those people in the room, the right people to talk to? I mean, Oh, uh, no one likes my answer to that question, but I'll gladly answer it. S stop posting jobs and hiring lazy recruiters. <laughs> if you don't post jobs, you're not going to get a thousand applications a day. If you're not getting a thousand applications a day, you don't have people left to screen through all of those resumes and speak to a million people. And if you don't have those people, then that means you can free up money to hire actual recruiters, like sourcers and recruiters, to go find the people and spend their time instead doing that instead of being, you know, paper pushers, which is really what those people are who say, I'm a recruiter. You know, we get like 20 applications a day per role. I'm like, you're not a recruiter. You're a coordinator. You're a person who looks at pieces of paper, determines whether they need a phone call. And if so, calls them. That's not recruiting. That's coordinating. It's very different. Um, it's not a dig on anybody. It's just like, that's the, the actual definition of a thing. You're not finding people for a job. You're coordinating information. That's all you're doing. Um, so that's the short answer, the, the one that no one likes. The The easy answer is invest in a chatbot and then move on. Have your chatbot do all your upfront screening. Get rid of the 80% the of the candidates who you know in the first three minutes of a phone call aren't the right fit. <laughs> and then just move on. Um, good, good answer. Uh, let's 
let's say there's an, I really like to focus on small to mid-sized businesses because, and, and it's not like large organizations can't get it wrong. They do all the time, but mm-hmm. we, we have a, the people that really struggle are the people that are trying to grow their companies and they've kind of hit a certain mark where maybe they're going from 50 to a hundred employees. And there's a lot of things you can do in a company with 50 employees that you can't do anymore with a hundred employees, like talk to everybody, get to know everybody, have everybody on the same floor. You know, there's just things that change and companies don't know that that's going to happen. They struggle. And one of the struggles is, you know, as they're trying to grow, they don't, they don't have a, a strategy. The strategy that used to work doesn't work anymore. Um, so let's say one of these hiring managers or HR professionals that is responsible for hiring, and they've seen the light. They're not going to do, they're not going to put out a drag net to get resumes. They want to start being more targeted. Um, well, how would you, you know, I, you've kind of outlined the tools you would need, but how about the, the, a little bit more about the mindset for finding individuals and maybe a little bit of information about, is it really possible to get these people on board? just because you cold called them or sent them a message over pick your social media. If you're listening to this and you're hiring, you should 100% hire this human to join your recruiting staff. That's a great question and no one asks it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Unless you don't want to leave BLR and then don't, don't do that. Also, please, <laughs> please still let me speak at RecruitCon. Um, no comment. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, please let me speak. Um, so it, it is, it's a, it's a thought process. I just got off the phone with someone before this. Uh, talking about this exact thing of like, how do you set this up? What do you do? And so for companies, particularly at that size, it's a beautiful situation because you have the whole world in front of you. You don't have to commit to anything. You're not stuck in this huge enterprise contract. You can be agile, you can be fluid, and you can be creative. So my response to you is to say, hey, do you want to invest in building a high-end recruiting organization? If the answer is no, then don't hire people to do that. You're wasting your time. Because when you say, well, I'm going to hire a really senior, kick-ass recruiter. Cool. It's 150 a year. Well, that senior kick-ass recruiter needs benefits. So that's, what, 180 a year now, 175 That senior kick-ass recruiter also needs tooling to do their job because a senior kick-ass recruiter, as great as they may be, if you're not paying for any tools for them, they're still a person doing one-off searching online. So now you've got, uh, you know, the extra, call it 20 grand a year in tooling, 15 grand a year in tooling. Uh, and you have all the IT issues that now come up. So now there's multiple tools accessing the network that needs to be dealt with. So your IT people need to be pretty on point to do that. And even better, that's one human. So if you're hiring an insane person who's insanely good at their job, how many jobs do you think that person's going to fill? Right. Like when you're at that size, you're not talking about hiring, you know, one to two people a year or one person a month. You're talking about like, hey, we want to, you know, grow 50 percent this year. Mm. That one person's not making four placements a month. Right. So now you've spent that money and now you say, okay, well, I got to hire somebody else to help that person. Sure. 
you going to hire a junior person? Well, if you are, then that kick-ass senior person you hired has to train them, which means, by the way, they're going to be less productive now. So in the beginning for three months, your productivity is actually going to drop. Oh, also that junior person needs the same tooling as the senior person. So that 15,000 is still actually going to be there, right? So now you're looking at this cost. And so when I ask people, do you want to build a kick-ass recruiting company within your organization? If the answer is no, then stop hiring recruiters and instead hire something like um, an HR business partner or recruiting coordinator, somebody who can handle the internal um, shuffle, if you will, right? The, the previous company I was talking to, um, we, we were talking through the idea of, hey, hire just a pure like an account manager to work internally. Right. And, and totally, you know, on this case, they want to work with me as their their sourcer. So there's that that piece for me. But for them, it's, hey, hire a person who can, like, take the data that we provide and give it to the hiring manager and have a relationship with them and save them time from interviewing and, and going through the scheduling. And then they coordinate with us and they schedule the interview. And they, you know, talk to the candidate and get feedback and they close the candidate and they onboard the candidate. That's a key account manager, right? That's somebody who's earning you know, 40, 50, crazy 60, you know, 65 a year to start off with pretty, pretty junior, right? Yep. Two, two to four years. They don't need tooling and they don't need training, right? They just need to come in and go, hey, here's the process, right? Let's learn it need to build a relationship with a hiring manager, right? So have that person in place and maybe you already have that person in place. Who knows? And then get it out to a company who can do all the crap that you don't want to invest in internally. So you're either going to build something amazing or you're going to have somebody else who's already doing it amazing do it for you. <laughs> because you're there's only one other option which is built something crappy which is what most companies do well we want that internal why it's a good question why now am i saying work with contingent agencies hell no um and that it's do i do that a little bit but no get an organization or a person or persons that, that you trust who have a name who who in some way uh, embody the things that you and your company stand for and have their own tools and have them do that. Have them do all the searching, provide all the data and just fill your database and your ATS up for you while providing you candidates who are good for the job. Don't pay them based on the placement. Pay them based on delivering you data. And what you'll find is you'll pay that company 150 a year with no benefits you don't have to pay for any tooling for that company so now you hire your other person at 60 let's say and now you're spending 210 you've got all your sourcing and your recruiting done you're not paying for tools you're paying for benefits for one person you can grow as you need to you can shrink as you need to um, and you're not struggling to try to build something best in class. It's a really good strategy. I don't think I've heard that particular one before. <laughs> um, it's elegant, 
you know, and I think that one of the things that a trap that we fall into as professionals, just with a capital P, is you've always got a budget and you've only got so much money and everyone's always about being as lean as possible, you know, especially on things that are softer. Sure, you're, you're going to put the money into the manufacturing process for your product. You're going to hire your top-notch lawyers to protect you from liabilities. But when it comes to something like ah, some guy you're going to put in a, in a desk, it's so easy to incorrectly think. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. So how many of these companies at that size are hiring a lawyer as a full-time employee versus having a law firm that represents their company? That's a good question. You know what I mean? Because if you're a 50-person company, one of those 50, probably not a lawyer. You probably have a firm that does it, in which case, well, why wouldn't you have hired that person internally for the exact same reasons? Yep. And it's, it's brilliant about the getting the mentality of your number one priority really needs to be recruiting. You're building a company and it needs to be done as well as you can possibly do it because these are the people that are going to be the foundation of your future. We had a, a care, we had, I forget what the interview was. I interviewed somebody who said that, you know, even in a big company, the CEO should be doing 50% of the recruiting individually in the sense that they should be meeting with candidates when they come and talking to them. Is that something you've ever approached or considered? So I think that that's a, a very black and white statement that's based in awesome fact. So <laughs> I encourage all of, I'm big on candidate experience. Um, and so what I encourage is, and, and you'll like this, anybody listening, this is, you'll love this. If you do it, you'll get great responses. Uh, when I am doing, or I have my, my clients doing screening of candidates, we always like to work in a few questions. Favorite color, favorite music, favorite thing to drink. <laughs> like not adult libation, like, you know, in the office thing to drink, right? And there's creative ways you can bring that up if you're having a good conversation, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, we provide headphones or we don't provide headphones. We're always listening to music in the office. What do you listen to, right? Stuff like that. And then what we do when they come in for an on-site interview, we print out three of their pictures, right? Their profile picture or wherever we can find online. One goes to the admin, one goes to the team that they're interviewing with. The other goes to a high-level VP or C-level exec, right? And with the admin up front also is a bottle or can or whatever of their favorite beverage. And in the background in the lobby, if you have a lobby that plays music, very lightly and subtly is playing the type of music <laughs> they listen to. None of it is pointed out. None of it is in their face like, oh, look what we're doing. Right. When they come in, the admin should not ask who they are. They should say, oh, hey, Lauren, so great to see you. You're here for an interview with so and so. Right. For that job. Oh, wow. That's so great. Hey, you know, we have some water, some Diet Coke and some like ginger kombucha. Anything that that appeals to you? Do you have ginger kombucha? Yeah, we sure do. Do you <laughs> like one? Like, oh, here you go. Right. That entire thing cost you two dollars and twenty five cents max and now that candidate's sitting in your lobby subconsciously listening to music that makes them feel comfortable because it's their type of music drinking their favorite drink as they would in a situation where they were very comfortable 
And the person who greeted them didn't, there was no like, oh, who are you? What are you? It was very like, they belong there. They're comfortable. From there, we bring them around the office, um, not giving them a tour of the office, so to speak, but just walking them maybe in a slightly more roundabout way than you would otherwise. And you walk them by the team. And the team has been prepped that this person, they have the pictures coming by, they're interviewing for this job with this person. When you see me walk with them, I need at least one of you to say, oh, hey, you're here for blah, blah, blah interview, right? So they walk by and the team goes, oh, hey, you're, you're Lauren. You're here for the software engineering interview, right? She's like, yeah. Like, oh, hey, we're the software engineers. I can't wait to meet you. Right? Like, oh, oh my gosh. And we also walk that person by the C-level executive or, or high-level VP's office. Um, and we walk slow. And they, you tell them when you're going to get the candidate, hey, we're coming back. And that person, when you're walking by, you're like, oh, and hey, this is, you know, our CFO. And they're like, oh, hey, are you, are you Lauren? You're here for the, the software engineer interview, right? And like that person, in this case, Lauren, I promise you jaw hits the ground. Just like, what? I'm like, yeah, I, I am. That's what I'm here for. Right? And then the coup de grace is bringing them into their conference room and on the board. It says, you know, welcome, Lauren. We're excited to meet you in their favorite color. <laughs> and it creates this, this air of comfort and of value. Um, it also gets the, the C-level or high VP execs involved. I don't think they need to interview every candidate, but if at least one of them is aware of every interview going down, they are in some intrinsic way tied into that. And mm. they've said hello to that candidate. And they've now created an ability to have a personal connection with someone who they, they may otherwise not have. It keeps a company as it grows larger, still small in that like culture type of a way. So it's a, it's a win, win, win across the board. So I think that that person had great intentions in saying that. And I think that there's, there's truth behind it. I just think it's maybe a little, um, a little too like hard and fast. If you, if you're over, you know, 20, <laughs> 20 people, 25 people, if you're a hundred person company, that's, that's a pretty super aggressive ask. <laughs> well, it's, you know, the, the kind of experience that you're talking about has the value of helping people feel comfortable for a lot of reasons, that's good. But one really, really important reason is that so many people get nervous when they give interviews and it can be really hard to evaluate someone if they're nervous, mm -hmm. right? You think they're awkward or maybe they aren't, maybe you think they're not that good at speaking, you know, with other, or connecting with other people and they will be, but you don't know that they're just nervous today. But once they get a lay of the land and everything, they might have turned out to be, you know, your best candidate. And you'll never know because you dismissed them because they were nervous. You know, right? It's uh, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing you just said. Um, is taking into account that like these these people are humans, and that interviews are not like if you look back throughout our evolution as a species, there was never like a part of us that was like, hey, because this thing happened in nature we are totally ready to go in dressed uncomfortably to a group of people <laughs> that we don't know and try and impress them enough to pay us money so we can provide for our family. There's nowhere in evolution that caused that, right? And yep. 
one of my favorite stories, I, again, I'm not going to share the, the client name, but there's a client who was looking for a, I think it was like a manager or a director of, oh my gosh, no, this wasn't. This was from Patty, um, Patty McCord's book. Um, I was talking to a client about it. Uh, she was the CHRO of Netflix. And mm. she, she, I think it's McCord is her last name. She talks in there about how she had interviewed uh, this, this senior, super senior level software engineer. And he was just kind of like a stuttering, couldn't explain himself, like disaster. And he came highly recommended from like two or three people within the company of like, we'd love this guy. And she couldn't understand. She's like, what? What are they thinking? Until she asked him about something technical. Mm. And apparently, she describes it, that he like lit up in conversation. The stutter almost went away. He got excited. He explained it and was just enthused because this is something he was comfortable with. And if that were a recruiter talking to that candidate, that candidate probably would have been blocked. Right? Like, nope, can't understand him. Not a good communicator. Couldn't even explain what he does for work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I've kind of been something I've been stuck on recently a lot, too, is that, you know, because I help people out with their resumes. Um, it, it just it's a perfect expression of how uh, kind of like standardized testing, like you're boiling a person down into a few simple things that people are going to look at for a glance and it misses so much of what's important. And then you expect them to have these soft skills because conducting an interview successfully from a candidate perspective is a soft skill, you know, communication. But if you're not hiring people for soft skills, why does that matter? You know, um, you don't need your engine. I mean, it's nice if your engineers can communicate, but they don't they don't need to be necessarily great leaders to do their job well. But you're at you're demanding in a traditional interview process that they have those kinds of soft skills when it might not matter at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your wish listing. Yeah. Oh, and the, don't even get me started on the wish listing when it comes to um, requirements for a job a job posting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. We want literally all the things. You know, I've uh, I've got five years of experience, two degrees all kinds of qualifications and I don't qualify for anything. And it feels like, I mean, I do, I could definitely do all those jobs, but based on what they're looking for and my favorite, you know, besides the like absolute must haves, the requirements, my, my favorite section is the, what we would like. Yeah. I thought you just listed that for two pages. <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we, you must have five years of experience because that somehow empirically matters that it's five years and not four and a half years or, uh-huh. but we'd really like it if you had eight years of experience, you know, which is such a weird number that people get fixated on is eight. And I'm like, yeah, what's eight? Why? <sighs> That's a great question. Who's doing things for eight years anymore? I don't even know. I, I don't even know. Um, yeah. Yes, we're in the we're in the same boat there. I'm also not a resume fan, in general. It's why I use that tool, Hone It. I don't I don't send resumes anymore. I don't think they matter, and I, I hear as though that they uh, commoditize human beings too much. It definitely does. I think the struggle comes particularly from the candidates. You know, when you look at tools like at least this is my understanding. I'm sure you have a perspective on it. Uh, like Monster or Career Build career builder, in my opinion, those are really better for the employers than it is for the employees because 
you just vanish if you post stuff on there. You can apply to 100 jobs electronically and never hear back. But, you know, if used intelligently from the recruiting side, you get to sort of sift these out to the quote unquote best pile, um, which is not most of the people, right? Just by its very definition, not most of the people but um, that, have, that are looking for jobs. But if you want to participate in that, you have to have your resume in order, period. That's right. So, you know, as it may be, you know, with a, the proper set of tools and the proper set of, of uh, ideologies, you might be able to source intelligently and find that one guy or girl, the two of them that are perfect for your roles. You know, from the candidate side, I don't know that they really have that option. And that's really important that 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 be understood, you know. So I think it's funny you say that. I, I think they need a resume, but I think playing that game is the mistake that people make when looking for a job. I, I encourage people to, hey, instead of doing that thing, why not find the job you want and then do some research? Find the person who inevitably is the hiring manager for that or mm. responsible for hiring at the company and message them with a really, really honest um, and personal and customized message about why you were interested in that role at that company. And what do you have to lose, right? Yeah, what's why not? You're doing something that most other people aren't at that point. And more often than not, when you put your resume in there, they're going to some HR black hole of death, right? Like, oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be better if it were going directly to the hiring manager? It makes a lot of sense. Cut out the middleman. <laughs> that's that's not even just cut out the middleman, but just do something different. Well, Michael, I think it's about all the time we have for uh, this particular episode. But thank you again, really, for uh, joining me today. Absolutely, man. This was super fun. It was super fun. I had a lot of fun, too. Um, just a reminder that Michael is going to be speaking at our annual RecruitCon 2020 in Kissimmee, Florida on November 10th at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. The session is called Recruiting Hacks, and Michael's talk during that session is called Innovative Ways to Use Tech Tools to Reduce Time to Fill. RecruitCon will be co-located with two of our other events, including HR Comply and Workforce L&D. Should you be interested in attending more than one event, we are offering a pass to HR World, which combines all three events. Finally, we are always interested in any suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general, or just to say hi. Thanks for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works. <laughs>